Tree with me. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me here. My pleasure. So, um, Tree, well, I'm going to introdu introduce you in a summed up way, but obviously we're going to expand on it. So you work as a death dealer, mm -hmm. and that's kind of how I found you, actually, via Instagram, of all places. Um, so let's you introduce yourself, because you're going to do a much better job than I am. Tell me, <laughs> tell me... What what do you do? You're a death doula. I'm a death doula. I'm also a dreaming guide. That's so it. I'm I'm an author. I've authored books about um, conscious dreaming. So I help people connect more deeply to the dream realms in order yeah. to enrich their lives uh, when you're awake. And I work with death as well. So as a death doula, which is also some people call it a death midwife. Yeah. or a soul midwife, or an end-of-life doula. Yeah. There's lots of different words. Yeah. Um, which is being with a person who's dying or end-of-life and helping them through the journey home. I like to say the journey home. Yeah, I heard you say that on another podcast, actually, and I loved that. It feels really nice. It kind of takes away the scariness, the yes. unknown, right? It takes away that feeling of unknown because yeah. home is somewhere comforting. Yes. Yeah. And it feels like something to look forward to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not in a morbid way, like I'm looking forward to death. Yeah. But like you said, it does take away the, the fear aspect of it. Um, so the process is, a, is one in which I guide people, not just psychologically, but also um, emotionally and sometimes spiritually and sometimes mm. existentially because people, there's big existential questions when mm. faced with death and dying and end of life. And then also practical stuff too. So much like your work as a doula, as yeah. a birth doula, yeah. there's some practical things too. Yeah, woman servant, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> servant, the, yeah. That's the trans, uh, translation of doulas. Women, women server. Women yeah, serve. from the Greek. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, women who serve. And I think women have had this role for thousands of years. Yeah. It's not a new role. No. So even when someone asks, well, what do you do? And I say, a death doula. And I explain what that is. They, 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 the first thing they say is, I've never heard of anything like that. But it's yeah. a very ancient role. Yeah, I think we've just, um, we've given it a title in order to make it something we do. Whereas when we lived with smaller communities, it would be a very natural thing to attend the birth or death of someone within your community. Yes, absolutely. But as communities kind of disperse across, you know, towns, cities, hundreds of miles away from your family or whatever, yeah. we, we create kind of a role for that. That's right. But yeah, it's been there forever. Yes. Yeah. It's so it's been there one. forever. We've ushered in life and we've uh, mm. saw it go through the, the other end mm. as well. Um, so it's sort of bringing that back. Yeah. And to me, it feels like bringing back the humanness of the process, the life, death, life cycle process. Yeah. Instead of having it in the hands of an institution. Yes. I'm like, hallelujah. Yeah, because yeah, it's the absolutely. same with birth. Yeah, it is the same. Yeah, I think there are so many similarities. And, and, and maybe um, the reason, the, a similar calling to that work mm. of wanting to hold people in space as they go through huge transitions. Absolutely. Um, and create that support and that comfort for them. And I think you're totally right with the words you say, holding space. Yeah. And a lot of people think, well, what does that mean? I yeah. hear it a lot. What does holding space mean? And it, it is quite simple. 
and it's the same for birth as it is for the death doula role. It's simply being there, and sometimes there's no words that need to be mm. said, and it's just being there, a solid beacon of light mm. and love, support, and energy. Sometimes it's just holding someone's hand, yeah. Giving, yeah. giving a cuddle, or just being there as yeah. a presence. Yeah. And this, it's so simple, but it is so effective and so yeah. powerful. Yeah. And one of the things that, you know, you learn as a death doula when you're going through the training process is that, you know, there's no right words to say. Sometimes people think that, oh, someone's dying. I need to somehow make them feel better with my words or fix things. I need to fix them. Yeah. But um, what you realize quickly is that, no, you put that to the side. There's no fixing this. This is a natural process. And there's no words that you need to give to someone to make them you know, feel better, more positive. It yeah. is what it is. And what you can offer, the most, the best thing you can offer is just hold that space for them and be there energetically for them yeah. through the process. This sort of human, compassionate, loving presence. Yeah. So it's as simple as that. I think we have such a tendency to try to fix. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like, I'm gonna pull you away from that. I'm gonna make it better and get you away from that now. And it's like a compulsion that we have. Mm -hmm. um, but in doing that, you're not allowing the other person their experience. Exactly. Whatever it is. And death is like that. It's just like birth. Everyone's birth is a very different process and yeah. experience. And it's very similar with the dying process and death. It's very intimate and it's very bespoke to that person. Yeah. And it's um, unique to them. So no two deaths are the same. And, yeah. and also, I do believe that we kind of have a choice in how we're going to go out, you know? And a lot of people don't realize that we have choices. Yeah. We often think that, you know, just because you're sick or you're, you're given a death sentence in a way, that somehow you don't have any sovereignty over your body or the process of dying, that somehow now the institution owns your body uh, because you're sick and therefore you're swept away into this whole other construct and it, it feels very alienating and uh, unusual mm. um, but you have sovereignty over the way you want to die and you have choices that you can make a lot of people don't know this and do you advocate in the way that I mean I'm obviously drawing parallels with a birth doula because I think women or families couples don't know that they have a lot of choices when they go in again it's going into that institution we hand over our authority basically mm -hmm. we're like oh yes okay you tell us what to do you know best we're in your space and we kind of go along with it and um part of the role of a birth doula is to advocate for your clients mm -hmm. wishes yes is it is, is similar very similar yeah. so you 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 tell them the options yeah you have options you have choices yeah. you you can die at home if you want to mm. you don't need to go in hospice if you don't want to mm. um you have choices on how you want to after death care what you want to do with your body mm. you know and a lot of people don't really want to think of that or they think that they only have one option which is the funeral director and being embalmed and going through that whole process but yeah. there's a lot of different options and there's new options now which are like eco-friendly options of okay. of just going back into the earth in a very natural way yeah um w without the chemicals and yeah. without the cremation and the pollutants and just doing it in a way that's um also affordable yeah. Because, uh, you know, that that's another thing into it. that comes into yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's money. Even dying costs money. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, everything does. Everything costs money. <laughs> um, so 
how how does do clients kind of find you do you often work with people that are ill and that have been as you said like given that sentence mm-hmm. or is it I mean, how does it work from that point of view? So Do how family I, members contact you? Yeah, so it's all very unique. Yeah. And every case is very different from the last. Yeah. Um, I've been working through word of mouth at the moment, and mm. I've, I'm very much enjoying that. Mm. I, I, so I don't have a calling card, like, yeah. so to speak. And I've just been trusting the universe to bring the right people at the right time for me. And that seems to be working. Um, I've had people where it's just been con- consultation and I've just been with them for a few uh, sessions. Yeah. I've helped people with uh, deathbed vigiling for just for like a couple of days. Okay. Um, and I've currently been guiding a gentleman for the past two years. Wow. So it's all very different. So some, I've had a like long-term yeah. relationship and companionship yeah. um, and process. And then I've had just, you know, quick one you know one week or two sessions or a weekend and so it's all very different yeah uh, depending on the person's needs and sometimes it's directly with the person who's end of life Mm. and sometimes it's supporting family members so it can be very different and sometimes I've had uh you know it's even through text messaging where I'm you know the, the the deathbed is happening in Italy and I'm there helping the daughter of the dying mother and helping her through the process yeah. of holding space for her so yeah and sending her images of candles i've lit for them yeah, like vigiling yeah, yeah. and you know so doing using technology as yeah. a way in which to support and and From help afar. the process yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's interesting you <laughs> kind of wouldn't um, imagine that the two cross but they do technology yeah. comes into everything now it, it does yeah. so it's incredible how far reaching it is yeah and and valuable right because if you are that support person then you want to be with them wherever wherever they are yeah in whatever circumstance yeah um so how did you we spoke about this a little bit earlier but how did you come to this journey yeah tell me about your journey yeah. the journey into deathing it up <laughs> well um, that and and your uh, lucid dreaming and you also read tarot and it, i think i mean it's yeah. as we were saying it's all of one path so yeah they all work together death dreams and the tarot they're all liminal spaces and they all lend really well to each other Mm. they all feel very much related in many ways with dreaming it was since i was a child and some of my first memories as a child were of lucid dreams and dreaming experiences that i had that felt more you know more present than my regular waking life of just doing kid stuff um and you know that sort of evolved into my teen years where i had a lot more strong dreaming experiences that um precognitive dreaming and out-of-body experiences that made me want to explore it more because they were so strong and sometimes Mm. a little bit frightening yeah i was gonna say as a child or teen did it feel scary to be having that kind of experience where your dreams felt more real than you know your physical reality or um how did you did it feel scary did it feel natural did it feel like oh yeah this is totally my part you know I think as a child uh, a lot of the lucid dreams felt natural and normal like oh this is part of life you can go and explore the universe and fly around and but I think as a teenager the psychic dreams that I was having where we dream of an event occurring like for example had a dream that a car crashed into my house and um 
it was so vivid and real and the sounds were so vivid and real um when i woke up i like looked out the window yeah. and like oh nothing happened yeah um and then the next morning we were sitting at breakfast and then it happened oh wow uh it, we heard it and we ran out and we were able to save the man who crashed into wow yeah so when did those did you realize like oh my god i dreamt this last yeah. night yeah, God. it was so, yeah, it yeah. was so clear. And so when those experiences started happening, that, you know, freaked yeah. me out a bit. And that kind of made me feel a little bit, this is spooky or weird. What is this? And my mom's always been very uh, supportive with dreaming and same with my dad. And they both have experienced precognition and precognitive dreams. Uh, so they were a really good support. And I think the journaling process that I started at that age mm. really helped me a lot to um, unpack the experiences that I was having. Mm. And also it was a record of, hey, it happened. I dreamt of this. And then I was able to compare notes when the event would unfold in, in waking reality down the line. So starting off with that practice of journaling, recording my dreams and getting to know them and understand them, it's, it's developed a lifelong practice for me mm. of, of really working with my dreams. So I work my, with my dreams every night. Um, so, I mean, that's over 30 years ago now. And so yeah. 30 years on, I'm, you know, I help people connect more and uh, help them with developing this practice for themselves yeah. to work with dreams. Um, and with death, it was probably when I, w it was when I was young as well, starting off uh, my little, my long journey <laughs> of working in the realms of death. Um, I was very aware of it as as a young person. My first death I experienced with my was my grandfather. Yeah. And um, I remember when my mother came into the room to tell me that my grandfather died. I was very calm. I could tell she was really nervous. You know that sort of yeah. I have something to tell you. Just a little bit trying to make it like didn't know how to approach it. And I was just sort of thinking, why is my mom so uncomfortable? I know this, it's fine. And she was like, you know, grandpa died. And I was like, yeah, I know, it's okay. And you know, I was almost, yeah. you know, say- You were assuring her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know he's in heaven. And, yeah. <laughs> and you know, as a child, heaven is just my concept of he's moved on. Yeah. So I don't, I'm not a religious person at all. Yeah. But as a child, that's the only word that it's you can- It's the next place. It's the only yeah. word that you can use at that young age. But uh, so at the wake, my grandfather, it was an open casket um, funeral. Yeah. And um, I was touching him. I felt totally comfortable. And I've had, if you had a few relatives go, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. But I, I felt imagine. I was holding his hand and I was just like. You were with him. Yeah. And I felt very comfortable doing that. I didn't feel like it was weird. And I didn't feel like I was, it was strange. It felt just very normal and comfortable to hold the hand of my dead grandfather. How old were you? A five. Five. So, and I, it's very vivid and I still remember it to this day. Yeah. Um, so I never felt uncomfortable around that. And as I became a teenager, uh, whenever there was a death in the family, friends or family, I'd say to my mom, oh, can I come? Can I go to the funeral? And she'd be like, oh yeah, okay, you weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, it wasn't, it's weird. It's not like I was a goth or something, or I yeah. was um, uh, had a morbid obsession with death. I just was very curious about being around around death yeah. and around the ritual of it. Yeah, around the the grieving people, just the reality of it. I wanted to experience the reality of this. Mm. 
And so I've seen a lot of open wake funerals and been around quite a bit of it as From a, a really teenager. Young age, yeah. yeah. And also my parents are quite I guess they're quite spiritual people in their own ways. They um, every weekend we would always visit old folks home and I come from a very musical family so we would sing and play songs for yeah. old people who never had anyone to come visit them nice. and so I would be around a lot of dying people as a teenager yeah. and I would really feel their plight and the isolation of being in an old yeah. old folks home yeah and uh, I was so I was very sensitive to that so I grew up with uh, this sort of compassion yeah. for those who are end of life and it's something that you know my it's you know just been part of my life yeah um, so that felt like a natural progression yeah where I felt I was always sort of around it how, how did um because as we've said you know the role of the doula at either end of life has been around thousands of years yeah. which is not in a formed role how did you or when did you make the decision like not the, you know this is what I'm gonna do yeah this so, is gonna be my livelihood kind of so it was a long series of synchronic synchronistic occurrences mm. which started at the age of 17 when I was 17 years old I was with a good friend who's who's who uh, who's died now um, uh, we were walking down the street and we witnessed a really terrible motorcycle accident and the motorcyclist was like launched really far off of his bike hit Gosh. by a truck yeah um and this is like 1988 so there was no mobile phones and yeah. whatnot there so it was yeah. just run to a neighbor's house yeah. to call uh, an ambulance service yeah. So while he was running to phone a neighbor i stayed with the motorcyclist who's on the ground he had the helmet on and he was lucid, and so I would just held his hand, and I knew you—you you, know—you don't take off, you don't move them. Yeah, don't them, move them. Yeah. Don't take the helmet off. So I knew about CPR and all these sort of things. Girl Scouts, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> life <laughs> skills. All, yeah, life skills. Um, and he was breathing, so I, you know there was nothing, you know. And I was just speaking to him, and holding his hand, and it yeah. was. I just went into this zone straight away, just like hit into this zone. I was this giving is what him, he needs. giving him comforting words, yeah. helps on its way. And as I was doing this, and as we were waiting for ages, it would seem, um, he he just stopped being lucid, and then it was like it had died. But very very soon before the the ambulance came, so it was sort of like I I felt it, and then it sort of sort of started panicking. But then the ambulance had already arrived, and they took mm, over. Okay. But it was such a quick. Um, glimpse as to you know being with someone when they transisted yeah and it was so profound but I was actually quite shocked how calm I was okay um and how I wasn't damaged or scarred from the situation yeah. and then, you know the ambulance obviously the, the paramedics took over and it was all kind of you know quick Flashing and lights and, yeah, yeah and everything started you know the reviving thing and kicking that all kicked off so that experience really stayed with me my parents were like, are you okay? Do you need yeah, like, do to you talk need... to anyone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, no, I'm fine. Like, and I was all, it really stuck with me that I was okay. And I felt like I could uh, be calm in such a, um, such a moment. Yeah. So anyway, that at age 17 kicked off a whole series of events that lasted a really long time up until I was 40 years old. Okay. And I'm, this sort of thing was started <laughs> happening. So about three to four times a year, I ended up being 
right at the right place at the right time when there was some sort of accident going on. So I'd be walking down the street, someone's hit by a bus. I'm the first oh one running <laughs> over and giving them like help and yeah. calling ambulance or doing CPR or helping like wrap up their bloody hand yeah. and, you know, and giving them help. It's just literally about three to four times a year. Um, none of these people dying, like dying, but just, yeah. you know, freaking out yeah. and in pain and just offering help, comfort, and it became such a long-running occurrence that a lot of my friends started being like, so weird, whenever we hang out with you, yeah. someone falls over, has an epileptic fit, or someone's like, knocked off yeah. their bike, and they're like, it's you, you're making yeah. it happy. Yeah, I was I about to say, I'm like looking around me, like what's Seriously, gonna happen? I started getting a complex, and it's not, it's happening in loads of different cities. Yeah. One time we were in like Mexico City with friends, decide to go in this beautiful cathedral just as tourists to check it out. Yeah. There's a man praying at the back of the okay. church. <laughs> I walk behind him just looking at this different things. As soon as I walk behind him, he falls backwards right on my feet and starts having a fit. And then me and the priest are like <laughs> there with the, the man helping him. And yeah. I'm just thinking, and my friends are looking at me going, shaking their hair going, tree, no, <laughs> this is just too weird. Um, so this stuff is happening yeah. constantly. And then at the age of 40, I'm walking here in London yeah. on Broadway Market. It's a beautiful autumn morning. It's um, October, actually. Yeah. So we're coming up on, well, it's the anniversary of that time. And I noticed a really heavy set man kind of ahead of me. He stumbles and he leans against the wall. Mm. And I think, oh, I should go see what's going on there. And as soon as I touched his back, because like, he started really kind of crumbling. Mm touched his back to say, hey, do you want to come and sit on, on this picnic table? And I says, I, as soon as I touched him, I just had this knowing. <gasps> Is this by the dove? It was in front of the dove. Not that long ago. Not that long ago. I think I saw him. Carry on. I, th yeah. I think I was, yeah, go on. Yeah. Oh my goodness, were you there? Was he on the floor for a really he, long for a time? For a really long time. I walked we past. were doing CPR on yeah, him. Yeah, I walked past. I was holding his hand. His head was in my lap. Different people were... Yeah. doing CPR on him, taking turns, and I was just holding his hand saying, it's okay, you're not alone, help is on, you know, discomforting words. Yeah. And his eyes were fixed wide open. He was still breathing, struggling. It was really death rattle was going on. Mm. Um, and, we, you know, to no avail, we're trying to keep him going and waiting for the ambulance. Yeah. And uh, just comforting him with his words, with words. His eyes were wide open and just sort of fixed, and he was... Tears were just flowing down his face. It was as always he was could see something. It was really quite something. Mm. And uh, just his final breath. You know, we tried our hardest to to keep him going, uh, and it was such a profound moment. And I just think, God, that this stuff keeps happening to me. But anyway, we uh, someone got a flibber. Uh, Liberator, yeah, yeah. Um, and started doing that. Yeah. Uh, and we waited ages for the ambulance. The ambulance yeah. finally did come, and then maybe by the time you came by, they were they were zapping him on the street for like yeah. a good fifteen minutes. That was, and uh, it was just a bit like, can you just get him in the ambulance now? Yeah. But the crazy thing that happened was he was actually walking down the market with his wife, his thirteen-year-old daughter, and his mother, but they had walked ahead. And they didn't realize that he had fallen back. Oh, wow. And and so, obviously, at one point while they're walking through the market, they're like, "Hey, where's Dad?" And when oh, they came God. running back, 
it was too late because this happened all very, very quickly. Oh. And so the, so all of a sudden we hear this screaming and crying and it's his three family members. Yeah. So I jumped up, I started hugging them and I spent the whole day with them. Um, and uh, yeah, this just sort of hit me and I just said to my partner, don't you think this is weird? How many coincidences since I was a yeah. young person? This happens all the time, and now here we are. It's happening again, but you know, wow! Some you know, someone's literally mm. died in my lap on the street. How did you respond? Like, how did that feel for you? Because as an adult, obviously, you had that experience with the motorcyclist when you were a teenager. Mm -hmm. Was it a different response as an adult? Because obviously, our understanding of the world and stuff changes as we move through it yeah did you still have that sense of calm and like I did have the sense of calm with him and yeah. with all the experiences I've had a sense of calm um it's all that's all been it's, the common thread yeah like I even had one experience walking down Carnaby Street where a man was walking in front of me and then just sort of stopped in his tracks right in front of me and I stopped just kind of like okay mm. what's happening mm. and then he started to melt and fell into me and I'm mm. holding him and he's falling he's literally fell into my arms mm. and I'm laying him down yeah and he's got a needle sticking out of his arm oh, and wow. he literally shot heroin yeah, on the yeah, street yeah. and just and started ODing in my arms oh my so God. you know it's just I've got countless stories where literally yeah. people are like falling into my arms so after this not last, funny it's, but it kind of it's kind yeah of, yeah right <laughs> So this last incident, I'm going, what is this? Why? Yeah. And I said to my partner, why does this keep happening? And he jokingly said, oh, it's your perfume. And it's like knocking people <laughs> out. Like, so I decided that evening on, the, on, on that October day yeah. to ask my dreams, well, what is this? This is too much of a coincidence. Yeah. So what's going on here? So I asked my dreams, hey, can I get some guidance here as to these events? Because I'm getting a bit of a complex. Like, am I kind <laughs> of some curse for people? So I went to sleep and it was when I was waking up and as I was waking up out of sleep, I started just, I got this quick succession of all the times this has happened in my life. And I woke up with a eureka moment. It's like, duh, this is what you've been meant to do. This is what you're, mm -hmm. you're th this keeps happening because this is the line of work that you should be working mm -hmm. in. And I woke up with a, what? And I said to my partner, do you think there's a job where, you know, there's, you're a person and you're helping people at death, like they're dying, and but you're there, you're supporting mm. them and you're, you're there, your energy's there and you're yeah. helping them. He just said, why don't you just get on Google? Just yeah. Google. <laughs> Let me go back to bed. Just go, just go, on, go on Google. Google. <laughs> so I Googled, I was like, death, emotional support. I just yeah, threw in yeah, some yeah. words. Yeah. First thing that came up was death doula. Yeah. So I was like, what is that? went to the website, it was the course that I en enrolled in. And right there on the spot, I was like, this is it. I was just like buzzing with resonance. Yeah. And I was like, this is it. Yeah. I'm doing this. I signed up to the course and the rest is history. Yeah. Um, but you know what's really funny is that these events, don't, it hasn't stopped. <laughs> it's still happening. But this time I'm like, okay, here I go. Yeah. Universe, you put it in front yeah. of me again. Yeah. And here I am. Yeah. And so it's not as though these synchronicities have stopped. They, they're, they're just still going on. I mean, they, I've had... I'm not going to leave the building so with you. Like, I'm really... <laughs> I'm really enjoying talking to you, but I'm not leaving the building. It's just so funny. The divine timing behind it all is just... Now I'm seeing it with a bit of a 
a twinkle in my eye, yeah. like a bit of a cosmic joke. It's like, oh, here I am. Yeah, it's like super the universe is just, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, some it's of them amazing. are ridiculous, Sophie. Like I had one, I was walking down uh, Hackney Road. Yeah. And this bus pulled up and then the, 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 the uh, ramp started coming out. Yeah. You see that the ramp's happening. Walking by, getting closer, closer to the bus. This woman is coming out of the bus in a wheelchair and she's um, no legs. Yeah. And she's coming out of the, with her wheelchair. As soon as I'm walking past her, the front wheel of her wheelchair flies off. So, you know, if the front wheel of your wheelchair goes off, you're You're flying, you're coming out. Yeah. She goes down and she's launched out of her wheelchair. Yeah. And right when I happened to be walking by her and literally caught her flung into your arms before her face hit the pavement oh god I bet she was glad you were there it's I mean just insane yeah. so I, you know put her in the wheelchair and then I rolled her backwards mm. all the way to uh, on her, the, the closest on her hospital yeah, yeah to yeah, the yeah. closest hospital to get yeah. her a new wheelchair so I mean it's it's kind of amazing how it's landing at your feet <laughs> literally it's literally, it's landing literally at your feet. like that yeah so it's incredible. it hasn't stopped. No. But uh, that's well, you, my, my journey into the calling of the work of a death doula. Yeah. You're definitely, and obviously very, you and the universe are tuned into each other. <laughs> like, there's no other explanation for it, you know? I think the universe, if we choose to see it, yeah. will put things in our path. I've always and been open to that, I think. Yeah, I think, I mean, this is a very literal putting things in your path in the form of people. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's happening. Yeah, yeah. And I've, that's something that I've always been quite open to that. Mm. When I was a child, you know, in school and whatnot, when they, the big question, what do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah. It used to really stress me out. It is stressful. I didn't like it. No, even now. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, and I remember in the 80s, there was this really big trend of filling out these questionnaires. Yeah. Like um, answer A, B, uh, yeah. and C. Yeah, and then they tell you what you're going to yes. be. Yes, then yeah, you yeah. get a computer generated. Yeah. And, and my, my three things were... Um, uh, like a, a really like a spiritual leader yeah was one yeah a stand-up comedian yeah which i'm like what like <laughs> okay yeah uh, was another one and then uh interior designer was the third one i think i got someone from a call center i was like <laughs> you're gonna work in a call center i was like i really don't i just if this is it like i'm not on board with this this is not what complex, i want to be right? doing yeah. Yeah. oh it's terrible so let yeah. the universe figure yeah, yeah work like, within in tandem with the universe to yeah. find your path but i think in order to do that you have to um what do i want to say you have to surrender your ideas of what it means to be someone in the world so there's a, a, an element of letting go of ego yeah right totally. yeah and and also just surrendering yeah because we can't if we are pushing and muscling our way into anything mm-hmm. whatever it might be career life any kind of circumstance or situation actually when we're doing that we're not open to what the universe is giving us because we're going well I'm going to muscle my way through and I know best yeah totally so (laughs) to to even get to that point of being open to what's going to be what's going to be is going to be you have to do a certain amount of just like dusting the shit off your shoulders before you get there absolutely there's a lot of surrender and release and and it's interesting you say that because the one thing I noticed navigating the the end of life process Mm. with with a person is the uh, process of navigating ego death. Mm. And this seems to be the one thing that really is the hardest, more than the biological death of the body. Um, The question of what was I, who am I, 
what was this all about? Um, yeah. The story of one's life, um, your your status in the world. Like, oh, I was a judge, or I was a teacher, or I was a pop star, and that it's just that. What does that yeah. even mean now? Because I'm going to die. Yeah. So yeah, the, yeah, yeah. you know, the shedding of that, the shedding of the ego. Um, that is a very painful process, and that's not talked about. People don't talk about no. that process, end of life. People just think, oh, you know, your body's dying. You got to make sure there's pain control, and yeah, it's just all get your very, papers in order. It's all of. very medicalized or practical. Yeah. Um, so, you know, navigating that is really challenging for people. Yeah. But the key here is surrender, and death is a great surrender. Yeah. Um, it's actually people find it hard. Yeah. to let go of the control yeah and this is the most yeah. painful thing yeah. yeah but it can be a beautiful process letting go yeah surrendering it sounds so um so light yeah like it sounds nice yeah <laughs> it's like yeah i want to be light i want to be uh full of ease and flow and yeah and no struggle and i think the way that we are in society or the way that some people are in society mm. is that we attach so much to um, external things. So I am, you know, like how many times does someone come to circle? So what do you do? Because obviously what we do then defines who, our worth and who we are and how we place ourselves in society. And it doesn't, I'm doing it with like, you know, squiggly fingers. But mm. I think that's, that's so much of what we make up of ourselves. Yeah. And to then realize that actually that doesn't mean that much when you're at that point in life or on the transition into death. Yeah. It's like you question your entire purpose from here. If I spent my entire life training to become X or building my business so I made X amount of money and this and that and well now that counts for mm -hmm. for what? Yeah. It's it's like it's yeah, hard to wrap your head around that. It is. A good way of wrapping your head around it is making death a part of your conscious practice every day mm. and reflecting upon death every day in some kind of way, in a small way. Not in a morbid, obsessive way, a dark, yeah. negative way, yeah. but just observing death as, you know, bringing it into your consciousness, into your awareness and be like, I'm going to die one day. Yeah. And how do I feel about that? How does it feel in my body? Yeah. How am I going to acknowledge that? that when you start bringing this into your daily life, it makes you live better. You literally seize the moment. Every moment is so luscious and so vibrant and so mm. present. Um, you, you don't worry about things as much. You see the real meaning and the real richness and mm. the things that you should really be caring about, which is like interpersonal relationships, um, keeping your house in order. And what I mean by house is your you know, not repressing things. Yeah, 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 not your physical house, but your space. Your so space, your, yeah. and not holding grudges, not having resentments, yeah. not having drama. I mean, one thing I see at end of life is people start, um, all of these re regrets start yeah. popping up. Like, why wasn't I, didn't I mean, maintain that relationship? Why didn't I ask for forgiveness or mend that bridge with my family member? Mm. Or all the regrets come up because mm. they were squished down all their life. Mm. And at end of life, they all trickle up to the surface mm. to, to look at. Yeah. So if you're doing this maintenance every day in your life, yeah. then you're sort of, you don't really have a lot to, 
baggage at yeah. the end to yeah. have to navigate through and sort through yeah. and have regrets about. Yeah. So doing a conscious dying practice makes you live better. Yeah. I think you, when people experience losses um, of people that are very close to them, it often brings a huge amount of clarity mm. to, to their life as they move past that. And I think it, it is a way it's kind of, it, yeah, you fine tune, right? This is what matters and this is what's important. And I think often the things that are external to us and they drop away. Yes, it, yeah. it does drop away. I always find it funny. Sometimes you hear people saying, you know, they, they live wild or live for the moment and they're like, they, mm. you know, they want all these external things. Mm. And you often hear people say like, on my deathbed, it's going to be great because I'll look back and be like, look at I've all the... I've done X, Y, Z. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And yeah, I think, so ooh, you know, what a big wake-up yeah. call that will be because that's kind of not the case, end of life. It isn't. Yeah. People aren't laying there going, yeah, I acquired so much fortune and I've, yeah. you know... Jumped out of a plane and... Yeah. <laughs> there's, and there's countless examples. You just look at Steve Jobs. Yeah, I was going to say, what he, he what did he say? Like, he famously penned a letter yeah. that basically said, you know, all of the money that I've ever made... Yeah. I mean, none of that matters. Yeah, it's love. It's the yeah. it's the relationships, your interpersonal relationships. Yeah. It's it's also very simple. Yeah, um, and even with his, you know, billions, he wasn't yeah. able to, you know, cheat death or you know yeah. maintain his his physical life. Yeah, um, and he yeah. had some pretty amazing last words as well, yeah. which were just him saying over and over, oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. You know, you, you think, what, what was he experiencing well, yeah, at, that, yeah. at that point of death? Um, because, you know, again, with death, there's a lot of interesting phenomena that happens around the deathbed. People yeah. have deathbed visions, deathbed dreams, and energy, and there's yeah. a lot of... Um, documented cases where there's you know there's more going on more going what we on. can see yeah what's your um what are your feelings and thoughts around what happens after the physical body yeah passes this is the great question That's isn't the it big unknown. the big unknown the big mystery and our sort of um you know current laws of science would say this is it and yeah. the brain dies when your brain dies your heart dies you die and yeah. that nothing carries on um i guess i like to approach it from the point of view that we live in a multiverse and multiverse is a big component of science so that we we have a lot of uh, current proof that we are living in a sort of multiverse yeah so my kind of uh, thoughts are that well if we live in a multiverse it's a place where there's infinite possibility. Yeah. So even within our construct of science right now, there's more that we don't know. Yeah. And I'm very open to there's always more to learn. Yeah. And there's always more to know. So I see uh, consciousness as a part of um, an aspect of the multiverse. And I do feel that consciousness is something that is separate from mm. our biological, you know, meat suit that we yeah. live in <laughs> yeah um and that consciousness is something that um could be part of the multiverse yeah and shift and change in in in, in a different way so within a multiverse i believe that there's room for 
cause and effect. There's room for chaos. There's room for destiny. There's room for anything that you really want it to be because yeah. I believe that we can kind of create our own realities. Yeah. So if you think, oh, death does it, you know, when you die, that's it, that's done. Then if that's how you feel, then maybe that's how it is. Yeah. Because for you. For you. Yeah. Whereas if you are keen to the approach of, well, I'd like to carry on and maybe explore other things beyond mm. the body, then maybe that that will be something for mm. you and that you, you'll be able to, at some point, your consciousness co can uh, find a place within the multiverse and experience mm. something else. Yeah. But when your consciousness, I think when, when it, it does um, d detach, I suppose, from this biological body, you are no, I will be no longer tree. Yeah. You will no longer be you, Sophie. Yeah. yeah. So, there, you know, there's the story will not be part of it. Mm. We are the universe experiencing our, itself yeah. in a way. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think there's a lot of crossover with yoga mm. within this, obviously. Um, and part of yoga is the physical body. <laughs> but really, yoga isn't about the physical body at all. Um and it's, yeah, it's like ringing a lot of bells. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it, and it I all think makes sense. this but sort we of... We are consciousness. This is yes. just our sort of... Um, it's a vehicle. Our vehicle, thank you. Yeah. yeah, it's our vehicle for exploring where we are at now. Yeah, and I think we're exploring this this uh, this reality, this planet, and we're here to evolve our consciousness and, yeah. and, and evolve the planet, the consciousness yeah. of the planet in some kind of way. And hopefully to evolve out of the thousands of years of really bad behavior yeah, <laughs> that nice. us humans seem to be, <laughs> yeah. you know, repeating over yeah. and over. And hopefully, you know, that will change and yeah. we will evolve out of that. So I do think, I, I really believe that expansion, evolution is part of the process. Mm. Um, it's almost like upgrading this mm. software, which is the planet Earth software yeah. <laughs> in some kind of way. Um, so I guess, you know, and also having experiences as a child where my consciousness has, has detached from my body, and even now, like having an out-of-body experience, I, I feel that, you know, it's so, vi so real and so visceral that my points of awareness can be somewhere else. Yeah. Other than just being up in this body, in, yeah. that I do feel um, I'm up for the exploration of death. Yeah. And I'm open to more beyond the grave yeah when we take the kind of finite feeling of death away from it somehow the charge is gone it isn't scary mm. it doesn't feel as scary yeah as as it does when you have the thought of well that's it that's all folks that we're done mm -hmm. but if you take that away it's like oh it's just another transition yes which we go through multitude of times throughout life. It's just another transition. It takes away that charge. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's ways in which you can work beyond the fear of that transition um, and the fear of death. And so when I work with dreaming yeah. um, and I work with like the hypnagogic state, which is this, the threshold that you are in falling into sleep. Yeah. It's a very liminal threshold. Interesting things can happen in the hypnagogic state. like. You can get really quick little visions of imagery and mm. you can get um, sacred geometry and light. Mm. Um, and also you can hear things in the hypnagogic state. I like to guide people to play with that liminal space as um, and let yourself just imagine like 
I'm falling into death now. Not, again, in a morbid way, yeah. but just playing with the sensations of release, letting go. Yeah. So the key there is to have a sleeping body yeah. and an awake mind. Yeah. So your consciousness is still awake and present, but you're le allowing your b body to release and let go. Yeah. So this is a really nice uh, technique in which you can kind of start playing with the, the yeah. transition of, of death. And of not just being your body. Yes, not just being your body. Yeah. 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 Um, in our sort of society, in our culture, death is, it, it is morbid <laughs> often, you know? <laughs> this is kind of like, we were talking about this earlier, that people have such extreme reactions to even talking about death. Yeah. Um, which is actually why I wanted to talk to you because I was like, this sounds so interesting and I don't personally have, don't know how I feel about death. I don't, I'm happy to talk about it, you know, yeah. so I guess that tells something. But um, why do you think that is, that people have such a strong sort of, we can't go there? Do you, I mean, do you think it's through fear or um, just because... British people are very kind of like, no, we don't talk about these things, you know, like, <laughs> I, do you have an opinion around I that? I think or? it's fear-based. Yeah, because you obviously work with people that aren't, not just the person who's dying, but their family, and you must see how people respond to death first, I mean, you do firsthand. Yes, it's it's fear-based. Yeah. If you were to deconstruct everything and go down to the foundation of what is driving all of that yeah. it really is fear-based and yeah. what why is there fear there's fear there because it's an unknown yeah um and i think what's happened in our western construct is that we've moved away from the human elements of the life death life cycle mm. and uh, we've um, let institutions step in and sort of deal with all that mm. so when our loved one is sick or dying it's just they're whisked away yeah. and, and it's all behind hushed doors and it, it's all very complex and very clinical very clinical and not very human or compassionate no. so that doesn't help because yeah. we've we've developed a disconnect from the reality of death and dying yeah um and that, in essence, creates fear yeah. because, and these environments are sterile and freaky, yeah. and, and a lot of people, you know, you know, most people say, "Oh, I don't like the hospitals." Yeah, I don't like or how even it the feels. dentist. Yes. It, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's so, the same environment. It's fear. It's fear. It also doesn't help when you have films and horror films yeah. and things in the media that sort of drive home the fear. I mean, we live in a fear-based culture. Yes. We you do. just turn on the news. Yeah. Fear of this, fear of that. We've got all coming around us from all angles. Yeah. Um, so that doesn't help. But it's all, it's all really pushed down into our unconscious. Um, we don't want to look at it. We don't want to deal with it. But it's, it's around us all the time. Yeah. And it's kind of playing out in, in a very low-level subliminal kind of way. Yeah. So, you know, a great example is when someone asks, what do you do? And I say, I'm a death doula, people's <laughs> faces. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so either people's eyes well up, you know, because when I explain what a death doula does, eyes well up with tears, or yeah. some people's like literally their face turns white. Yeah. Or they look really shocked. It, 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 death is the great equalizer. It is the great equalizer because it is the only thing that we can know. It's it's a constant. We know it's coming. Yeah. We know no it's, one escapes no, it. No, no one escapes better, it. Yeah, yeah. 
And it's a real cold, like slap in the face, a sobering moment. Yeah. Um, but a lot of us don't want it. We live in a society that doesn't want it to look at that. Yeah. We look at it, We live in a society that wants to, you know, remain youthful forever as well. Oh, I mean, you yeah. see countless examples, you know. Yeah. You know, li- you look young forever. Yeah. We're try- your people yeah, are trying yeah, yeah. to, uh, what are they trying to do now? Like, freeze yourself oh, so you yeah. can live forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it, we live in an ego-based society yes. as well. Yeah, it comes it, down it's to the ego. so again, ego-based. Yeah. And uh, you really believe in your who you are and indestructible kind of yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and i want to my legacy has got to live on and i need to even if i die you know this really ego-based society so the west is very seeped in this kind of um conditioning yeah so i think that's a big part of it when you go to a place like india or you go to the east death is around you all the all the time you know you're seeing people on the funeral pyres it's yeah. there to look at and embrace every day so these sort of yeah. things are more embrace embraced yeah uh, and 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 you yeah my husband uh he carl when he was doing some yoga training many many moons ago he was in varanasi mm. in india and yeah. obviously they burn bodies on the river and he found it very difficult to see um and I think quite unpleasant. That's my choice of word, it might not be his, but he definitely found it difficult to yeah. be around. And I think it's within our society here, we aren't around death. And yeah. we don't talk about death until it's at our door or at someone we love's door. Yes. It isn't something that is openly or lightly spoken about, you know, mm-hmm. um, until we're faced with it. Yes, it's so true. And a really great way, I was saying earlier, of developing a conscious death mm. practice every day to reflect on it, to help mm. you so, help you sort of uh, unpack it kind a little bit more, into it. Yeah. is to reflect on your day each day and look at where in your day a little mini death has occurred. Okay. And this could be a metaphorical sort of symbolic uh, yeah. activity. So say you lost your mobile phone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a little death. Yeah. And it, we're upset and yeah. it's caused an impression. You know, it's not It's not great. It feels... No. But to reflect on that and yeah. just to go, you know what? I let it go. Yeah. The phone, he was my great little companion for four <laughs> years. Yeah. Had some great Instagram moments with him. <laughs> Thank you, little phone. You were... You rest y- yeah. So <laughs> now it's time for me to move on and I am grateful that you were in my life yeah. and have a little moment a little yeah. moment of acknowledging that little mini death yeah and and move on yeah and that's an example or you know say you missed your train that in a way is a mini death a mini loss mm. um you could use the same yeah. activity to, yeah. to apply. and you can do this to so many things in your life every single day and if you acknowledge it feel it in your body feel the frustration or the sadness or the remorse or regret yeah. let it go surrender to it and it's amazing you do this every single day you're in a way preparing for death yeah or at least just not sort of suppressing it i think that's the thing it's Mm -hmm. like just yeah allowing it to be in your consciousness yes allowing it to be in your sort of periphery you know yeah it's there and it's going to happen for everyone absolutely another great way too is like get out to a death cafe 
Yeah, death, death cafes. cafes. This is the first I've heard about this. So tell yeah. me. Yeah. So death cafe <laughs> is a safe space for people to kind of meet and socialize and chat about all things death and dying over tea, coffee, cake, you know. Sounds amazing. Yeah. And it's a great way to just get it out in the open. Yeah, and so too. I've held death cafes before and you'll have anyone sharing from like the death of their cat and how that really affected them yeah. to more deep and profound experiences people actually there for a, like a partner through the dying process yeah. and how it's touched their lives and transformed their lives yeah. so it's it's great it's just a little social atmosphere it's yeah. and, and it's positive it's not yeah. morbid yeah. Um, but it's a safe space too so if tears flow that's okay mm. you know if people humor always comes in you yeah. know dark humor comes in that's okay too yeah and it's great. It's a, it's a really great part of this sort of death positive movement that's yeah. in the West now. Um, so, yeah, if your listeners are hearing, really look out for a death cafe. Yeah. It's yeah, great. Yeah. It lightens it. It takes, yeah, it takes that trigger away when you think about it, that you can talk about it over tea and cake. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Thank you so much for coming to talk to me. It was I a pleasure. I genuinely love this conversation. <laughs> it's oh, been really, really great. That's really so, great. Yeah, thanks so Thank much. Thank you so, so much. If people want to find you uh, on the internet, yeah. online, where are you? I guess Instagram is the, like the port of call these days, mm. it would seem. <laughs> um, I've got quite a bit of activity on Instagram with different feeds going on. I've got my death feed, yeah. which is death doula tree. Yeah. And then I've got my dream feed, which is lucid dream tree. Okay, cool. Um, I have um, I have tarot on there as well, which yeah. is the tarot tree. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's a running theme. Yeah. So yeah. I tried to make it easy. Cool. 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 Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you.